0: Welcome to The Beauty of Conflict, a podcast about how to deal with conflict at work, at home and everywhere else in your life. I'm Susan. And I'm Chris Marie. We run a company called Thrive, Inc. and we specialize in conflict resolution, stress management coaching and building strong, thriving teams and relationships, both in person and virtually. On this podcast, we'll be sharing
1: tips, tools about how to make your team, your relationship and even you work more effectively. You can find us at thriving.com. That's W-W-W-T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com, Or follow us on LinkedIn at Thrive Inc. We hope you enjoy this episode.
0: Hi, I'm Susan Clark. And I'm Chris Marie Campbell. And we're here today. We're going to be talking to you about inclusion, specifically inclusion at work. And part of why we're doing that is because Chris Marie has been involved in a training program. Can you tell me? what? Yes, it's uh, the IBI, which is the
1: Inclusive Behavioral Inventory. It's an assessment to look at inclusive behaviors at work and help build them in individual leaders, in teams, and in organizations. And it was offered by UC Berkeley.
0: So she took this program and and I was feeling a touch excluded. So I thought, (laughs) how can I be included? So I said, what a better way for me to learn than to actually be with you, interviewing you, talking to you a bit about some of the key things you took away. And uh, so we thought we'd do that today as part of our podcast.
1: I just have to say, when you said, I wanted to be included, it sounds like a little kid. And I think, you know, that's something that exclusion, feeling excluded, Does hit us at a very core, deep, and can be younger level of what we've experienced as exclusive.
0: I totally agree. (laughs) And I also think a lot of times people are, we've become so sophisticated, and yet inside we may actually, it may be just that little kid who felt like, I'm not a part of it. Yeah. And it's a big factor. It is true.
1: So, your context of what you grew up with, whether you're uh, otherly abled, of a different race, of a different gender, you know. Impacts how this topic lands for you.
0: Even today, as I was uh, reading the newspaper, then there's a lot of talk about coming back to work and things like that. And there was an article. Well, I don't remember whether it was in the New York Times or the Washington. Yeah, it could have been. <laughs> anyway, I was reading. She reads the paper, a lot of papers. And there was an article about how you know, especially for people of color, people of uh, that have disabilities, various women, women there are the people who are saying they don't necessarily want to come back. Be- and the reason is because of the microaggressions that they have to deal with at work all the time. And those
1: Give don't some get examples. addressed. Give okay. So,
0: you know, I'm actually kind of stunned and my heart goes out. Like, I guess I've read a few times how for people, for people who are black, they, people want to touch their hair. Like I can't even imagine that but I get it. It's I've read it enough now that I know it's something that happens. Mm -hmm. And I also then for people with handicaps and things, they may have issues around how the building is set up. It's a lot more work for them to come back into that space. And a lot of times that's never even considered with how the layout is or design is. And then there, you know, for women there's all sorts of things around microaggressions that show up. And but one I thought was really interesting was they also talked about how a lot of times, you know I may assume somebody who is Asian or somebody of color, I kind of, I was like, oh, I don't really remember their name. And you look a lot like somebody else. And it's so insulting for someone, you know, to be just to have that thrown at them and
1: to be called the wrong name because they look similar in that person's
0: eyes. But on screens, whether it's Teams or Zoom or Google Meets, you have their names. Mm -hmm. And so that hasn't been happening. Like that was one I had just really... Of course, not thought of. And
1: even with the disabled, uh, if somebody's in a wheelchair, you know, you're always low, lower than, and on Zoom, everybody's the same height. Or even a woman who's maybe of smaller stature, she doesn't have the, the huge presence when she comes into the room because of her size, possibly. That's all equalized on Zoom as well.
0: Yeah. You know, it was fascinating to me some of the things that came up. Yeah. And again, all of those things to some degree have to do with inclusion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They have to do with inclusion. And that what was interesting, this was done
1: by the Robertson International House. And it's really, you know, in the United States, inclusion, diversity is such a hot topic. And it, it can be black and white and now Asian, like it's very polarized with these different races. But what I really got in a part of this training is diversity is important all over the world. Even if you have what looks like a diverse team, and we've experienced this, you can still have exclusionary behaviors. And this comes up a lot, Susan, in our work in even helping teams deal with conflict. A lot of times what's happening in a team is only a few people are talking. They're automatically excluding others. And our job is to actually bring those voices in, help people get curious and interested in these other opinions, whether they're coming from a black woman or an Asian man or anybody. It could be a power differential that they're not letting these voices be heard and utilizing them.
0: Yeah. So, you know, and so many different ways. Like, I know when I first started this past year with the video camera on, you I, mean in Zoom meetings? In Zoom meetings, Teams meetings, whatever. You know, the, the camera's on, and I would have so much judgment about somebody who wouldn't show up on the camera. I admit. I was like, well, why aren't they showing up? Like I, I had been in one board meeting for almost a year with because it was distant. And I always just figured she's not showing up. I know her and she <laughs> isn't, you know, my assumptions. And, you know, I was amazed when I actually started to get some information and some people were like, no, the reason I don't put on my camera is because I'm in a situation, I'm in my closet and I don't actually don't want people to know I'm doing this from my closet or very different reasons. This is before
1: virtual backgrounds became popular.
0: Yeah. Well, and I even started to understand, like, I make an assumption that seeing somebody's face or seeing somebody's eyes is really important because then I know they're paying attention, which one thing I've learned, that's not necessarily true (laughs) either. But I also know that it's, you know, for some people that is like too much information coming in. And it's, you know, so they, and they don't actually want to see themselves on the screen. And I just was amazed at even that, what is behind it and how easy I can jump to my own conclusions, which I think is a big part of this inclusion thing. So we'll (laughs) talk about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, one of the things they were saying that exclusive behaviors, feeling excluded, actually registers in the brain the same way that pain does, physical pain. So Mm. feeling excluded, and that's why shunning people, you know, in, in, older cultures, the person would be shunned. And that was the worst
0: because people would ignore them as if they didn't exist. I mean, I just think back to the days. So when I was in my high school, I was the one white person in an all black high school. And I would often get beaten up. I had a lot of people really angry at me. We don't even need to go into that. But I always was, people would say to me, was that difficult? And I'm like, that was nothing. Nothing compared to what I saw happen to my same friends when I went to college, a good friend of mine who played basketball with me. She was a black woman. She was incredible athlete. She just got ignored. Like she didn't exist at UVA at UVA. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot imagine that experience of just not existing. I get it. That's Mm -hmm. like, that's a painful. Yeah, it,
1: it is. Now, even listeners think about a time where you felt excluded, specifically, let's think even on a team like you didn't belong and what feelings came up? What did you experience feeling wise when you were in that excluded spot? And how did you behave as a result of that? And when we did, this is a question our, our instructors asked us and the feelings were like, I don't matter invisible, you know, and then the behaviors were, I didn't speak up. I dropped out. I wasn't, you know, wasn't engaged. It really is demoralizing to feel Mm -hmm. that sense of exclusion
0: hmm
1: and and even contrast that to think of a time that you felt included on a team like you belonged and what feelings came up and how did you behave because if you're anything
0: like me like when I felt it's like oh I feel energized I matter the difference between if you could see her this is Susan talking you know like when she was talking about the exclusion <laughs> she was kind of oh it's leaned over you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and now as she's talking as soon as she's that started to talk about inclusion. You lit up. Chris Marie was like, you know, she's like, there she is on stage. Drop, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, and I think
1: what's powerful is to ask this because every human, you no, know, even if you're a white male on top of the pyramid of you know supremacy, whatever it is, you have experienced. I'm going to guess a time where you felt excluded and included, and the reason to connect to that is for empathy because when you recognize, wow, it really sucks to feel excluded you may be less inclined to exclude others. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really important point to, to bring home your own experience
0: of exclusion. Yeah, well, I think it is a, like you said, it's a way to build empathy. It's a way to break it out of a political thing or yeah. a, a positional thing, or you know, I'm going to lose something, any of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, think about exclusion and inclusion and when you haven't been, because so many people are afraid of what they're going to lose. Right. If if they have to give it, and it's like, well, just think about the pain that somebody else is suffering because you're not even willing to equalize the playing field. Like, yeah. you know, to me that that does
1: make a difference. And you know, the whole politicizing of it is is really sad for me because in this group that I was in with, I had 20 peers. We were from all over the world: South Africa, Turkey, um, certainly the U.S., uh, a lot on the East Coast. But we had breakout groups, and one woman, she had blonde hair, blue eyes. And she was paired with an African-American woman and they had a breakout as we all did. And and the African-American woman came back and said, wow, I had no idea. This woman was the, the white blue eyed one was, had been excluded for religious reasons because she was a woman. And the other woman had no idea from the outside what had gone on. So it was a very like, okay, we can connect at a human level. Not that it helped her, you know, certainly if you are automatically othered by the way you look. That is detrimental and painful, but to create the connection at a one-on-one.
0: Well, I think what you're bringing up is it's like, if we're going to make real changes from a systemic level, we have to actually be able to have people connect in a more personal way. Mm -hmm. And so the way to connect in the personal way is to recognize that everyone has a different storyline has experienced some, probably likely some version of inclusion and exclusion. And to share those stories is actually a way to build a bridge. But then you can actually say, now that you see, you know, who each person is over here, let's have a broader conversation, conversation about systemic racism, because that's actually some, that's how system is a, set in place over time it's not as personal but without the personal it gets really vicious it does and tied up yeah
1: so i it was just very all of i had probably the biggest takeaway was my connection that i had to these other 20 people or 19 people it was so very rich to hear everybody's different experiences and you know when when somebody feels excluded there's a business case for why you want inclusion to happen because when people are excluded they perform poorly they're unproductive, inefficient, withdraw. I certainly withdraw, turn negative, lash out, disengage, even quit. But when somebody feels included, like they're part of the team, they matter. Again, I, I know I'm, an, my, my energy just shifted, but they're willing to take accountability and be productive, work hard. They're more innovative. And that's what we say with conflict, perform well. They're loyal to the organization because they know somebody's got their back, collaborative, and they're appreciative. And I mean, there's just, they give support to other people.
0: It just keeps on giving. So I think of this, like you said, there's a good business case. There's such a good heart case and business case. And both of them, when, again, I go back to this whole thing, if you really want to have a discussion and dialogue about how to do something different, you have to include these variables that are important to each person and different types of people like the business piece. Or I've heard people say, I'm tired of hearing about the business case for equality, because that's not the point. The point is people should be equal. And it's like, Yep, But if you don't actually meet somebody at where they have placed their their own values or what's important to them, you're not going to have the conversation.
1: It's true. And when we go into organizations and we're talking to CEOs and leaders, senior leaders, we do give them the business case to kind of get their attention. Because I think it was Better Up who did the research in 2019 that high belonging workplaces have a 56% increase in job performance and a 50% drop in turnover rates, and sick days go down by 75%. And all of this, you can at, prorate this for a like a 10,000 uh, 10, person company, it would result in an annual savings of $52 million. And so those are why you want to kind of smack some business leaders over the head is like, wait a minute, it's you're not just being nice, th- which I do think actually the human reason is enough. But look, this is actually going to
0: change your business. It's going to make it better. I can guarantee you there's probably even more heartbeats gained than there is even money and dollars. But it is worth, both of them are well worth it. So I I think it is important to be able to address both.
1: Yeah. Yes. So diversity or inclusion is important. There's also like, okay, so what do we do? How do Mm -hmm. we change that? And there's five different dimensions that we studied. For inclusive behaviors, and the first one is learning about bias, and that is really just learning about how I put the world together. It's like in our check it out, we have our filter, and that is l- key to learning about how I
0: delete and distort and generalize information. And that right there is just huge because so many times people haven't paid attention. Like we talk about, it, it's like you you're wearing this filter over your head, you, you haven't really taken that off to look at, oh, how do I um, jump to conclusions so quickly? Yeah. And I mean, some things you can do to learn about bias is
1: question some assumptions you have, like, are my assumptions about people accurate? You can check out your story. That's why we even ask the exclusion inclusion. Do you emphasize, empathize with even other departments and how their world is happening?
0: So many times we're working in company situations where there's a division, you know, people don't really often, they don't usually fight over purpose, they fight over strategy, over what their specialty areas are. And so if you can get someone to understand, you know, wait a minute, we're kind of going after the wrong thing <laughs> the wrong thing here we've lost sight of our mutual purpose mm-hmm. and if you can and that is often because of people's biases or subject matter expertise same kind of idea mm-hmm. that they you know make assumptions that aren't necessarily Helping. And I, I mean, this
1: goes back to we believe our thoughts. And it's like, no, the, the filter we put together helped us manage our world. But it's it's not a correct like data table. You have to keep updating that. So you have to actually reach out and learn about other people, what motivates them. Are you aware of how you said something and the impact it had? And we can't know until we actually get curious and interested in how it landed over there.
0: And, you know, sometimes I'm like, really, that's how you took that?
1: When you say something, when I say
0: something and I'm so floored because it wasn't at all where I was coming from, but I have come to learn that that is so critical because, you know, there's that saying, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intention. (laughs) It's got nothing to do with intention. You know, (laughs) it really is about paying it, you know hopefully, maybe the other person will be curious about my intention, but that's actually not really important. Way more important is what was the impact? Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: when Susan and I work with organizations and teams, a simple way to do this is just doing personality styles as a way to open the door to our biases. Because we if you're an ENTJ in the Myers-Briggs, it's very different (laughs) than an ESFP. And, um, you know, and how how we tend to view the world is so different then add gender in there then add race and you know family backgrounds and and you get a whole complex cube and it's really slowing down enough to be curious and interested in this other human that's sitting across yes. from me. So the key is to start to one learn about bias understanding bias making the invisible visible and training your brain for inclusion and we do this with our communication model check it out. A lot of times we we have interpretations and feelings like not a good worker or lazy or doesn't care about the project. That's all an interpretation. And I'm in my kind of primitive brain when I'm in that versus, well, what led me to that conclusion? She didn't come to the meeting. She didn't return my email. She doesn't care about the project clearly Mm -hmm. versus wait a minute. Okay. That data that's something I can check out. You didn't return my email. You didn't come to the meeting. I'm thinking you're not interested in this project, but I want to check it out. Does mm-hmm. that fit or not? That gets me back into uh my neocortex and I can have a discussion versus just assuming that I'm right,
0: yeah, and you know being curious and interested in what comes back from that person, mm-hmm. you know, but if you're too invested in your own opinion, you're not going to be that curious, so that's the other thing you know that's why it's so important to check it out early because once you've gone down that road of never checking it out. You just ratchet into more and more proof of your position. Yeah. This is
1: what is when we work with teams. uh, This is one of the main tools we teach to have them start to check out their stories. And, you know, just learning that even talking about personal experiences is a way to connect in that empathy. That all helps you learn about bias. The other area we talked about is building key skills. And this is really about learning how to give constructive feedback and recognizing people have different styles from diverse backgrounds being able to draw out the views of other people around the table, listening and reflecting back what you're hearing people say. These are all skills that really help build inclusion. And recognizing if you are talking about a sensitive topic, you know, you want to talk about that tentatively and, and understand, try to suspend judgment while you're talking about that sensitive topic. And forming relationships from people. We tend to hang out with our own pack. <laughs> yeah. Find people that look different from you, from different backgrounds and be interested. And this is where we talked about microaggressions versus micro, um, I think it's affirmations. Like, Rather than um, just asking your best friend at work how their weekend was, ask the person a way to do a micro affirmation piece is to ask the person you normally don't ask, how was your weekend? Be interested in their world. So those are some of the like
0: building key skills is really about slowing down, Taking it. These all have to do with what we talk about in our communication model of being willing to check things out, slow it down, listen better, be willing to provide feedback and realize when you are providing someone feedback, you're actually introducing them to your world, not a truth about them. And that is a big, you know, that's an important thing. I think Susan, I think
1: you need to slow down because that was like, what? (laughs) mind blown when you said that. When you're giving feedback, you're actually sharing more about how you put the world together. Not a truth. Yeah. It's
0: very, you know, it really, I th- I don't know how many leaders I've said that to. And they look at me like, just like you said, yeah. what? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you're, you know, you are revealing yourself, but it, it's, you don't know yet whether, how it impacts them. I'll just give you,
1: I was trying to think of an example, but I can think of an example uh, for me, like one of my biases can be against younger people because they don't, most if I, I, the ones that I've been around, because I can't generalize them, but this is where my bias comes in. Like they're not hardworking, you know, and that's not true. But if I were to give a younger person feedback and I said, well, you know, I don't think you're hardworking. You know, you've taken vacation, you've gone traveling, you don't stay after work. You don't seem to move very fast. I think you're not hardworking all again, I I talked about their behavior, but I'm putting in the context of hardworking means
0: you don't travel, you work late, you move fast. You got to get that. You're very stressed. I'm sitting here (laughs) thinking, she must think I'm not, I'm not young, but she must (laughs) think that I'm incredibly not hardworking because I do all those things. But I think, you know what it is for me, and this is probably going to be different for somebody else. If I take a vacation, I am still, I'm going on vacation and I am learning things. I'm applying things. I'm going to use them in my work. So for me, it's not like I'm at work, I'm on vacation, I'm somewhere else altogether. There's this way in which my world is much more that I will apply it. And I. I that's how I experience a lot of young people. I'm sort of amazed at some of the things they're doing. And it's like, yeah, what you really bring that, that mm-hmm. you're passionate about at home, right into how this you know, will apply in business going
1: forward. So you can see how my narrow view of hardworking misses. And I wasn't even curious and interested. I'm just telling them this, you know, so it's really being, that's a bias. That's a bias in action. And I completely agree, like, a lot of that. Look how much inclusion they're doing if they are traveling the world and learning about different cultures and recycling. Yeah, they whatever something all else altogether. Yeah.
0: But and I totally get. I loved when you said I never do this. So you know? it's about <laughs> often our feedback is a reflection of something we could look at too. Right. You know? Yeah. Exactly. So
1: so that's a, uh, building key skills. The other there's three other pieces. One is working across boundaries, and that's really about. Getting input from different colleagues, from different departments, from different levels, from a younger and an older and a person of color, like not avoiding those people that have different views, which totally fits in our conflict idea, like gathering the differences and um, learning to work with people who are different than you. That's Mm -hmm. really about working across boundaries. And and really the piece here that you want to focus on is not making inclusion like, okay, now managers, you have to focus on inclusion. On top of managing risk and setting strategy and projects and resolving conflict, you want actually inclusion to be uh, integrative, not additive. Like It's a way to get your work done easier and you're going to get better results. So you want to include these different things. And this Mm -hmm. is what we teach when we are working with teams, how to include people.
0: And that, I mean, that is so critical because I think way, you know, there's a lot of data out there now about how people are hiring that chief diversity
1: inclusion officer,
0: officer, but they're either leaving or like totally frustrated because yeah, they're at the table now, but it's still not weaved in, in a very inclusive way into the culture. And this is what, it's it's just something that's now set on top to get marks and measures. It's like a bolt on. Now we have to do D and
1: I. Um, And it's kind of like how HR now. Oh, right. We have to think of the people. (laughs) It's like, no, no, actually thinking about the people thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion is going to actually be additive. And uh, I mean, it's going to be, if you integrate it, it's really going to support the whole business moving forward. And there's also this idea about a model for inclusive communication and collaboration. You know, we, cultural awareness, learning about yourself, which when we coach people, we help them learn about their biases and how they put the world together, which a lot of people don't slow down to recognize. But then there's also oh, let me learn about you. How do you make sense to me? And there's this bridging the gap between me and you. And a lot of times we, it's the, well, we're all in the majority here. You should be like us. You come to America, be like us. And it's it's almost like, no, the person in power who has the, the norm group is the responsible to bend towards.
0: It's, it's kind of like, you know, we, I think sometimes think of bringing somebody in and helping them become a part of the culture. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a big problem because there is a way in which we're trying to get rid of their culture so they can join this culture. And what would be way more productive is to make that like here, there are some things that we have as a part of our culture. See if you like them or, you know, let's try them on. And But to really hear what culture are you bringing is another way because that's the opportunity.
1: It's true. I mean, the other two elements are becoming a champion and getting results. And becoming a champion is really, do you bring things up when uh, you see somebody who is being excluded and take the action to bring them in? Do you res- kind of identify process and procedures that that appear to exclude people? And let's change that. Because a lot of times, you know, you just don't, well, it's working, Why? why fix it? Well, it's not working for a few yeah. of these other people.
0: And you may be so busy yourself that you haven't noticed that it's not working for some yeah. other people. It's sometimes easy to assume, oh, well, you know, I know they reorganized that whole department, but not actually test. Well, wonder why, because yeah. you're so, so a champion would actually be curious about that without just going in under attack. Yeah, But like, what is happening in supporting that? And and takes a time to speak up when it's uncomfortable. I mean, this is a big one.
1: But if you're in an organization that hasn't talked about diversity, equity, or inclusion, that might be a time for you to say, hey, I think this is important. Why don't we educate ourselves or figure out if there's an issue with this and talk about it and learn about it? That would be becoming a champion. Yes.
0: Now, you may have noticed and you may actually hear our dogs in the background. So I guess they're trying to include themselves in our podcast today. Unless our, unless our <laughs> podcast people can take that out. Yes. <laughs> Probably not.
1: Uh, the last one is getting results. And really, this is linking inclusion to business results. And this is about uh, recognizing that using a diverse network is actually helpful and inspiring people from diverse backgrounds to get engaged, and it's going to help the bottom line. Even looking at different customer needs, internal and external, we get so set on, no, this is how I do
0: things. And it's like, well, have you asked and how that's impacting other people? I think that is so uh, true. I mean, I, I just think of situations where I've been in there, and it's been the person who's brand new or has come from some completely different... Job like are even not worked, but you know somewhere totally different, and they offer a perspective that is so vital mm-hmm. and changes the way a company that may have been a little stuck does everything. Right. And it's I've I've seen that happen a number of
1: times. So, and I think that's another thing, Susan, that you're bringing up is when somebody says something that you think, "Wow, oh, that's out of left field." Rather than shutting it down, get curious because okay. they may actually have a whole innovative idea that. This happens a lot of times, Susan, you'll get bring up something and I'll be like, what? No way. That's just not going to work. And then when I take the time to listen, I'm like, because you don't have the business background. So mm-hmm. it's often, and you do this with teams, you do this with us. You have such a strategic connecting mind that a lot of times it, it can sound when it when I first hear it, like, no way that even that sounds dumb. And then I'm like, oh, it's actually kind of brilliant if I get curious about it.
0: Well, and that, I mean, I do think that comes from not getting so fixed into how something has to be done and being willing. And maybe, you know, I think my own life circumstances have helped me stay more curious than uh, that's been part of the thriving versus just surviving.
1: (laughs) And, you know, some of these exclusion behaviors, even at like tech companies where there's a real like uh, aggressive culture. Even asking a dumb question, somebody dismisses it, that's exclusion. Whether it's said from a white man or somebody very diverse, it's still exclusionary if that's shut down because mm-hmm. that you're not using that creative energy and that person is being dismissed, even if it is quote unquote a dumb question. And it could actually be transformative if you actually got curious about it.
0: And of course, you know, we think all of this is vital, inclusionary behaviors. And we know we, it's not going to always happen. And there are going to be times when you're in a crisis and you're not going to listen to everybody. And it doesn't mean you're a horrible person, but you might pay attention to, wow, I was really at my worst right then. Mm -hmm. And how can I do it differently? And even suggest that maybe I wasn't very inclusive because I was under stress and I just wanted us to get this done.
1: That would be, uh, and is when we coach people, a powerful way to unpack something that went wrong is to unpack it and learn from it. Not make a rule, we can never do that again. But the vulnerability and courage it takes to say, wow, I really didn't do that well mm-hmm. is so powerful. And it it's also trust building and being willing to hear the impact is so powerful. Like, wow, I you know, opening the space for the other person to say, yeah, I was really mad and felt excluded and was disengaged from then on out.
0: Mm-hmm. It does make a difference. So hopefully you found this interesting and can apply it to your work and will talk to us about the ways your ahas from our podcast today. And Chris Marie has something to so say. She's actually raising her hands. So you know, you I'm can't feeling, see that. i was feeling excluded, Susan. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, well, one, I just want to say it is an important topic and it can be very painful. There's a lot of trauma that's gone on. So it's a sensitive topic, but it's not one that things can't be done with. Unlike even the uh, IBI that I use and we use with organization, it's a way for each person to look at, wait a minute, how am I about learning about bias and getting results and working across boundaries and all those different things, building key skills and becoming a champion? One, to get a benchmark, but two, it also drives to, okay, what's one thing I can focus on to build? Because I know some people want to fix it all at once and we really can't do that, but we can build awareness and then action towards change which over time is going to be revolutionary. It's,
0: it probably is a much better way to make a sustainable, transformative change than a transactional change, which is actually kind of looks Hollow. good on paper, but doesn't last. Yeah. So. so if you need more information
1: or want help working with your team or organization or just coaching for you about your inclusive behaviors, we're here to help and happy to chat. If you wanted to look at your own inclusive uh, behaviors, yeah, an individual can do that and I can coach Mm -hmm. around that. And And you could probably do it for someone's team. Yeah, Yeah. we do it for individuals, teams, and all through the organization. You can get an aspect of the report that way.
0: Cool, all right. Well, I'm gonna take one so I can be even more included. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you have an included day. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. We know conflict, stress, and uncertainty can be hard to navigate. We want to support you becoming more resilient, able to speak up, and have healthy relationships and business
1: teams that thrive. Connect to us on LinkedIn at Thrive Inc. Learn how we can work with you, your team, or your company at thriveinc.com. That's W-W-W-T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com.
0: We hope you have a peaceful, productive, and beautiful day. Take care.